Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Drum Network podcast, this time looking at the rebirth of live events. Over the course of the past couple of years, it won't surprise any of you to learn that we've been a little bit curtailed in what we can do in actually getting in front of audiences. But that isn't to say that there hasn't been a huge amount of experimentation, innovation, and practical thinking, which is going to help to define the industry going forward. So in this week's episode, I'm joined by three fantastic guests who all have insight into how we're actually going to go about grappling with that challenge of getting back in front of people, but retaining all the lessons that we learned over the past couple of years. So to begin with, I'd like all my guests to introduce themselves. Thanks, Chris. My name's Dan Keane, and I'm Director of Strategic Development at Wanda. And Wanda is a um, primarily a business experience agency. So we deliver B2B events for a whole multitude of clients um, and, uh, you know, across lots of different sectors. Um, and uh, Wanda has been around for quite some time. We have recently joined uh, in a partnership with Amplify, which is a B2C agency and is very well known within the events um, industry. So we're at the beginning of that relationship and we're specializing in the more B2B space, um, which is uh, which has been an exciting uh, exciting journey for us. Absolutely. And I know we'll get some of that B2B side expertise into the discussion as we go. Jen, who are you and what company do you work for? Thanks. So um, my name is Jenna Lee Walsh. I am the head of events and production at Paradise London, which is a full service creative agency. Um, I've got over 18 experience, uh, 18 years experience in events and brand experience. And um, I'm really excited currently to be growing out our events arm at Paradise. Nice. Fantastic. And Matt. Uh, yeah, hello. Right, so I'm Matt Franks, Group Director of Events at DRP Group. Um, I've been there for 16 years and in the business for 25. We're a full-service agency specialising in creative communications. Um, and it, our aim is to create memorable experiences through many different channels, whether that's live events or creative communications or film or digital. Um, so we're quite lucky that we've got that, all of that under one roof and that keeps us on our toes as well. Nice. Absolutely fantastic. Well, it won't have escaped the attention of anybody who's listened to this podcast that there has been a bit of a disruption in live events over the past couple of years. And we at The Drum have just kind of got back to doing live events. We've been doing hybrid events prior to this. Um, but the the reality now is that we are kind of coming out of this thaw and we're into kind of a real live event situation again. And we've seen that, you know, not just in terms of entertainment, but as Dan mentioned in B2B, going all the way down to kind of brand experiences, which really bring the audiences back in front of, of you know, the people on whom we are, you know, talking as, as agencies. So to begin with that, I just wondered, um, Jen, could you take us through, how do you characterize kind of the recent journey of developments over those over those two years we've seen so much investment in new tech in everything from kind of new ways to talk to audiences but how do you characterize that um ultimately i think um it's really exciting um and i think people have actually had the opportunity in the space to uh, actually grow and think about how to to escalate and elevate to new technology so ultimately it's it's great. And I think what it's, it's done, it's actually taken events to the next level. Mm. Um, and I think um, sort of what, what it's done is it's, it's made us work harder sort of in the sort of the virtual world. Um, and to, so to try and meet that audience in new and engaging ways um, and, and in person as well. I think it's it's just made us work harder. So I think it's been it, it's been super exciting. Um, I think virtually um, sort of the the. Uh, 
uh, with event technologies like the metaverse, it brings sort of a completely new dynamic to events, which is which is really exciting. And the sort of things like the metaverse and, and other new technologies are really trying to sort of cut down the noise when you are sort of going to uh, an event uh, remotely from home. And I think that that is that's so important because there are so many distractions at home um, and it's sort of just trying to immerse yourself into a world which is so tricky when you've got, you know, the kids crying, a dog coming in and all sorts of other things. Um, but, but also sort of physically as well, I think the evolution of, of AR and sort of now being... Uh, uh, cost efficiently um, and effectively being able to bring sort of hol uh, holograms and things to life uh, in in-person events as well. It's, it's sort of really sort of brought it on that um, next level. What I do think is, is really interesting though is is sort of evaluating the use of tech. And I think there are so many new and exciting uh, tech that's come about. But what we need to really think about is, um, you know, where do we use technology? And I think what happens often is we get so excited um, with, oh, with this new technology, let's let's do it, let's, let's put it in. <laughs> and we've actually just got to sometimes take a step back and go, actually, um, are we doing it to right reasons? And are we doing it well? Because if yeah. the answer is negative to both of them, then, it, then it's not worth doing. Um, and so I think it's I think these new technologies are so exciting and so brilliant. And um, but I think that sometimes we, as an, as an industry ourselves or as in the projects, we need to just uh, take that uh, holistic step back. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know, it's so easy to focus on the, the baubles and not actually kind of focus on the, the teeth that's holding them up. Um, so yeah, we. I mean. Matt, Jen queued up so much there. We could have spoken about any one of her points for the entirety of this podcast. But what would you say have been some of those kind of those key developments over the past two years that we are seeing bear fruit now? Yeah. So, so do you know what? I think it's been a really turbulent time and it continues to be so. And mm -hmm. I think it's going to continue to be so for another couple of years, if I'm honest. Because not only all of the things that Jen just talked about have happened to us and we've evolved, and I agree with all of those points that it's accelerated us and it's got us to think differently. And there are now so many new tools available to us with sport for choice. Um, but actually, our behaviors have changed. The behaviors of our audience have changed. The behaviors of the people working in this industry have changed. Um, some for better, some for worse. And we're finding there's new rules of engagement and the way that we go about things needs to be more considered and more valued of everybody's opinions and time. So if we take the people who work in the industry first and foremost, getting great talent, that's a big problem because some seem to have gone. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, we've got so much new passion and excitement. And I think it's embracing that and harnessing it and pushing that out so that we can really get our experiences to be better. Um, and then if you think about our audiences, they're probably questioning more around what's the purpose? Why are you doing what you're doing? And there's an appetite. We've seen that through festivals. There's an appetite for outdoor events. And you can see that through a trend of how people are engaging in it. But when you then start to look at B2B events, um, there's probably a little bit more question over people saying, why can't I do this at home? You mm. need to demonstrate to me why you you need me to come and why you want me to participate. And then when I'm there, my expectations changed and people no longer want you to tell them what to do. They want choice, they want variety, and they want to feel that they're able to influence what their experience is. So the way that we're creating those experiences, I think is, is definitely changing for the better. 
But what that does is it puts new pressures on budgets and creativity to be able to really rethink that. And you challenging the norm when a client comes in and says, well, I've just got all this information I need to share because I haven't spoken in person for two years <laughs> and I need to do it. Um, you know, it, 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 it's you're the ones that have to challenge that conversation to say that's not what people want. Um, and we have to start remembering that we've got to start engaging with the audience more to learn how to re-engage. Mm. I think you, you've made a really good point there about audience habituation to kind of the, the new ways of communications. But Dan, in terms of kind of what Matt was saying there about B2B, what have been some of the key developments? Are there new ways of communicating that, that can be used in tandem with live events? Or are we now looking at almost a complete, I suppose, reinvention of the B2B live event? Um, I think that's really good. I think, I mean, both both of you have made, made some really good points so far. Um, and for me, the thing that stands out more than anything else is the audience. <clears throat> and it's making sure that whatever we do, however we package up an experience, an event, whether that be virtual um, or in real life or a combination of the above, otherwise known as hybrid, um, which I'm sure we'll get onto in, in a moment, needs to start with the audience. And that's how we always approach it. Um, and we have a, a team of strategists um, at Wanda that unpick pick that audience and unpick the brand and the purpose, as Matt was saying, the purpose of the event um, and why people would actually want to come to a B2B event or a consumer event, because there are options. And one of the big options now is not to go to an event and to tune in virtually. And um, that has lots of plus points around it. You know, there's accessibility, sustainability, um, and, 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 and lots of other reasons of why people might not go to these kind of traditional flagship B2B events specifically. Um, and that means that we need to work harder. As Matt said, the, the, the behaviors have changed. And so we need to work harder to get people to actually attend. I do also think, though, that we are in that slight hiatus at the moment where people are keen to get back out and to explore and to reconnect and to see each other. And we're certainly getting briefs from clients that are saying, you know, we're, we're ready to get back into this world um, and, uh, and their audiences are ready to come back to it as well. And that's, you know, obviously fantastic for the industry, um, but we need to make sure that we're treating those audiences when they do come back to our experiences, um, in you know, in in yes, the same ways to a certain extent, but we've all learned so much through this experience, and it's been a tough experience, and we've learned um, both professionally but also personally, and I think it's just understanding how people are feeling from a personal level as well is equally as important when we're putting on live experiences going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's so much there, again, that we could sort of pick apart. One of the things that I've learned, for instance, is that I need to relearn how to introduce myself to people at live events. Whereas, you know, it's so easy to just look at people's names under the Zoom call, but in reality, just barreling up to somebody and going like, hey, I'm the host of the event. It doesn't quite carry the same, uh, the same gravitas that I wanted. So yeah. one of the questions that I know our editor, Sam, is very, very keen to get across is we know about the hardships. We know about everything that people have had to go through and really kind of the hopefully we're coming out of that struggle now. But to what extent then are, have there been major positives that have come out of this pandemic? What are big? What are some of the big opportunities that we've discovered that we're going to really put into practice going forward? I don't know who wants to take that one. 
Um, so yeah, like you say, there's, there's, there are actually, it's a, it's a real shame sometimes that we have to go through such a tough time to get lots of positivity out of it, but that's life. Right. And, uh, and you know, that, what well, that's what comes with change is opportunity. And there's, there's lots of quotes about that out there. Um, the kind of key themes, I think there's the, the there's always the macro and the micro, um, and the, the, the big ones, you know, hybrid is top of the list. And I'd be, I mean, I'd love to have a conversation with you all about that and your perspectives on hybrid, because I think there's, there's a lot of opinions out there at the moment about what it it is um, and and how it should operate within our industry um, and how we should use it or, or even how we should talk about it um, and how clients should brief us in with regards to a hybrid experience because certainly everybody I speak to has a different perspective on it. Um, and well, just whenever out of interest, about, sorry to, to yeah. jump in, what is your perspective on it? Just out of interest, because okay. I think you're absolutely right. It's a hot topic of conversation. I just question whether it's a buzzword or not at the moment. I, 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 I'm I'm probably in the buzzword um, mm. school of thought here. I remember yeah. when. I was sitting at my desk and I was at a previous agency um, when when this all happened and hybrid started flashing around and I was just like, oh, wow. I'm, I'm straight away from a strategic perspective. I was like, I need to write a piece of thought leadership <laughs> on hybrid. And that's the thing that I need to get out there. And that's the thing that all my clients are going to want to hear about. And and then and then it, it had evolved and developed so quickly that I even started getting confused myself about what hybrid actually is. But if you kind of, to answer your kind of question, Matt, is, um, is is that if you kind of strip it back, right? Um, hybrid is just about blending things together. So if you took the word away and you thought about it just as a blend, then all of a sudden it becomes a lot more digestible yeah. um, and easy to un- easier to understand, and doesn't have the the kind of myth around it, which I think is the bit that maybe does confuse some people when they go, "I want to have a hybrid event," but they don't actually know what that means. Yeah, and actually not that new. So you could argue blended experiences, for one, for a better word, it has been around and we've been doing it because you've had audiences and then we've connected with audiences in different locations. And and so all you're doing is just making that better through new technology. So I agree with you. I think it's being banded around as something that's specific, but actually it's just a combination of different uh, outputs to create an experience. Go on, Jim. So, and I think that that's right. And I think that the key thing is here that um, no one size fits all. And um, I think some will, they'll escalate the, the digital uh, the platform, the virtual platform, some will uh, escalate the, the in-person. I think it, it, the beauty of hybrid is that it is so versatile that you can upscale and downscale what you need to suit your needs. And I, I think that's, a, that's the pure beauty of it. And I think that's sort of why it's sort of here to stay moving forward. Well, let's dig into that a little bit more then. So what, what what advantages does that format offer, not just to clients, but to audiences? What is the benefit to both kind of the people who are putting on events and to those who want to attend them of this new kind of hybrid model? Okay, so I, I think you sort of both have the, the, the beauty and the uh, the interaction of the in-person uh, event. And I think, you know, people are calling out for that now. They've, they've, they've been such a long period of time when there, there hasn't been that in-person thing. And I think people are desperate to get back to that. So I think you have that, but also the beauty um, of uh, the hybrid and the, the virtual world. And I think it's, it's, it's the versatility of that, um, of the virtual. I think people have, um, you know, the fatigue of being, um, uh, online the whole time but um, it's I think if, if you can mix both the, the in-person uh, and the virtual the virtual sort of beauty is you know you can increase your reach uh, you've got a lower carbon footprint you can be international you can you've got sort of more, more versatility with sort of timings and things so I think there is there are so many sort of positives for, for both of them and it's just really amalgamating those together 
Um, I think obviously clients are very aware of what you know is available from a hybrid perspective. I think there's maybe sometimes a misunderstanding or a mistranslation mm. of when to use it. Um, and for me, it goes back to the same point, which is audience. You know, think about the audience. Um, if you're doing something that is a blended experience, i.e., you are doing it hybrid, so there is a, an, an IRL and a and a virtual. Mm. Um, uh, component to it is thinking about those audiences separately, but also intertwined as well, because the experience that you're going to have in your house versus the experience you're going to have face to face, as we all know, is completely different. And so many people have tried to kind of blend them together and make them as as um, uh, as uniformed as possible. But that's you know that's that's a real challenge, even with the kind of tech that's out there um, at the moment. Yeah. Um, the thing for me around it is that. Uh, you know, as the hybrid thing kind of, you know, as Matt said, it's been around for ages, right? This is nothing new. Um, it's just it's just a bit of a buzzword uh, more than anything else. Um, the thing that kind of got me sort of finally excited about it mm. was um, when I started looking at uh, different industries um, and then the kind of different formats that you might get in TV and broadcast and entertainment and how you can incorporate that into a experience, whether that's B2B or consumer. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, if you're putting on, you know, a, a a, a conference to think of a kind of the most traditional sort of live event experience, but then you turn that into almost like a kind of broadcast style chat show, mm. um, which is a great experience both within the studio, if you want to call it that, um, but also for the audience back home. All of a sudden, it kind of like changes it up to another level. And I think that's certainly one of the that from my perspective, one of the plus points out of this is looking at new horizons, new influences, new mediums that are out there that aren't just within our sphere, within our industry, and how we can apply that to what we do within hybrid, but also within other areas as well. And I think just on that point, to expand on it, some of the best things that have come out of the pandemic that are really benefiting our industry relate to connectivity, latency and integration. So those three things have changed so significantly that it allows us to do all of this stuff. So where we're talking about hybrid, the fact that you've now got low latency and you can use stuff like minicast gives you the ability to create those brilliant experiences. And now we're seeing the use of the cloud to be able to do kind of like real time um transformation of content so a little bit like using unreal engine you can mm. now see that being used in a space where you can create 3d environments for people and they're so much better than they were and yeah. we've probably all been on the journey of seeing the team's background has changed and now you can do all sorts <laughs> of things so the evolution is what's making those things more accessible there's still i believe a little bit of a challenge over getting people to understand that hybrid isn't being able to do both experiences for the same budget as being able to do one um, because mm -hmm. to do it properly it's so so important to invest in it and see them as two separate things and two separate experiences otherwise you, you're going to end up compromising something and wondering why your message haven't hasn't landed um despite all that technology it still comes down to what's the experience and to your point again it's the audience we keep coming back to that but that's what has to ground us um but yeah i i think hybrid is definitely blended experiences, whichever <laughs> word we decide to use, um, the technologies are making it far more accessible and far more valuable than it ever has been before. Cool. I mean, so for me, I, I mean, I, I am, I'm so passionate about um, sort of uh, uh, employee well-being, mm. and I think it's something that is something that is it's, it's so key now, and I think that the pandemic has really brought it about, 
and sort of making sure that we balance the work-life balance of employees, um, that they are happy um, and we really consider those things. And I think that's something that, that, that hasn't really happened before. And I think that is a really key plus point um, uh, for uh, that post-pandemic that uh, maybe wouldn't have come about uh, certainly as quickly if we hadn't done it before. And, and just to kind of build, build on that, um, and I know you're probably kind of more specifically talking about kind of like the agency experience and, 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 and everything there, but that's happening across all of our audience groups. So that's happening with our yeah. clients or the attendees of events as well. So if you understand and are kind of thinking about how people are turning up to work, but also turning up to an experience and bringing them, we kind of look at it as their whole selves now, you know, you used to have this kind of professional persona and a personal persona and they didn't really mix did they you kind of as soon as you walked out of the office you put on a different hat and you were somebody yeah. else and now we've all kind of weirdly been invited into each other's houses virtually uh bedrooms sometimes strangely um <laughs> and uh and and it, and it's just you know make you know kind of making sure that we really take that into consideration both within an agency environment because i think all of your points are incredibly important and i'm passionate about them as well but also about how we think about how people are turning up to it experiences and the kind of needs and wants and the behavior changes. I think, Matt, you were touching on some behavioral stuff earlier, which is a huge topic in its own right. Um, we, we, you know, we need to consider a lot now, don't we? Um, but it's kind of a persona that's just suddenly grown um, both professionally and personally. And I agree with all of those points, but there are some, and I do think it's positive, don't get me wrong, and I, it's accelerated many businesses. We had quite a culture of working remotely anyway, and I think most of this industry did, if you think about the work that we do. You were used to being at an airport or wherever on, on your site, laptop doing yeah. what you need to do on site. It, you just made it happen, tethering off your phone in the field. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, so, so that's only improved, and I think that's so much better. But there is, through behaviour, and I think, you know, we can't quite put your finger on it at the moment, but I think our clients, is, our clients are saying the same things. There is a shift in that actually sometimes now what you're seeing is um, employees not wanting to come back at all mm. and th that there's a little bit of missing out. So we did a big event and we had like 200 odd crew on site and the energy was phenomenal. And you suddenly may, may kind of pause and go, this is the first time all these people have probably come back together. And our industry is known for making friends and often friends for life. That's mm -hmm. gone a bit, really, in the office environment because it's no longer there. And it's become far more transactional. And I do think that's a bit of a challenge. And it's finding a bit of a balance. And actually, whilst well-being is so important, and I do think it's wonderful that people can open the door to Amazon or the online shopping delivery or hang the washing out because they can feel like they're more efficient, have more time with the family. There is a bit where they are missing out on that ability to just chat over coffee or whatever it is. And whether you dial someone or not, it doesn't have the same connection as it does in person. And oh, we're finding that that can affect people in the opposite way in terms of mental health. What do you think are some of the big trends that you're expecting to see in terms of events? Is it that codification of what it means to do a blended event? Is it significant investment in the tech behind it? I think, Mike, you were talking about kind of that latency issue with some of the tech around it. What do you think are some of the industry trends that we're going to see develop or even accelerate over the next five years? Let's start with that. Let's start with you, Dan. 
Um, I think, yes, technology, innovation, those are going to be kind of like at the top. But as always, it's just understanding the purpose of them and um, and kind of, you know, why we're using them and why they're right for the audience, for the brief, for the brand and, and, and everything else. Um, I think the whole kind of hybrid um, blended piece, that is going to keep on trucking. Um, and, you know, I think everyone will, you know, start to kind of settle into a, a rhythm around it. And I think to a certain extent, the word hybrid, maybe this is just me personally, hopefully starts to kind of fizzle out a little bit and doesn't have such a such a huge amount kind of like hung on the back of it. Um, but I mean, the, the, the kind of like the, the the new boy on the block. So the you know the metaverse. Dare I say it now? Because um, I might. It's like opening Pandora's box, isn't it? To a certain extent. But you know, when you're talking about content, when you're talking about hybrid, when you're talking about any of those things, people are you know throwing the metaverse into the ring. Hands up. I am not a metaverse expert. Um, but you know, with interest, I'm certainly looking at it and looking at the kind of the opportunity that I think not only what it kind of stands for when you look at kind of Web3 and the principles yeah. behind Web3, which I think are fascinating and the reason why Web3 exists and where the metaverse has come from. Um, we actually did a piece recently where we uh, we looked at all those kind of like guiding principles about kind of why, why these things exist and then actually thought about how we translate that into the physical. So taking mm. it off the digital and into the physical, the whole kind of decentralized layered and all those other kind of design principles um, that you can potentially potentially look at. So I think that's, that's a big piece. Um, Another kind of macro one, which I think is is fairly obvious, is the whole kind of sustainability piece around um, our industry. Um, and there's been a been a lens over that certainly in the in recent times. Um, obviously, with the acceleration of kind of interest around the climate crisis, and it's absolutely kind of fundamental and important that we collectively, you know, get it right because I think events of old, um, you know, kind of did fall into the category of wastage was, you know, certainly back in the day, I'm talking a while ago, it was pretty extreme and sustainability. And I know it's not just about waste, there's other impacts as well. Um, uh, was, was, you know, was, was crazy. And I think there's hopefully the combination of innovation, technology, sustainability, creativity, um, all of those things coming together will help us solve some of these kind of challenges, but also um, give us some kind of exciting solutions to move the industry forward in um, in interesting ways. Yeah, 100%. And just to go back to a point you mentioned, you know, in terms of not being an expert in the metaverse, I don't think anybody can legitimately consider themselves one yet. It's uh, it's still kind of yeah. this inchoate thing nobody quite knows. I've done a couple of video tours of um, metaverse, branded metaverse events for the drum, which usually... Yeah. I just descended to me getting humiliated by 10 year olds in a branded game or, or another. So uh, I don't think anybody's quite an expert in that yet. But Jen, then, you know, Dan was talking about that tech, that sustainability issue. What do you think then are some of those, those trends that we're going to see rise to the fore over the next couple of years? Um, I, I completely, I completely agree with Dan. I think sustainability is is absolutely key. I think, um, as, as as Dan mentioned, um, the events industry is one of such uh, wastage if you if you allow it to be. Um, and um, I think the sort of uh, the millennials and the generation C, they 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 have an expectation, and I think you need to live up to that. Um, so I think it will be very much that um, events will need to prove themselves to be sustainable, and um, you know they. That will be sort of uh, speaking to your um, suppliers and making sure they stick to their anything that they 
say they're going to do with their RFP. It's going to be keeping the supply chain local, um, uh, offsetting your carbon footprint, which um, I've done recently on, on uh, events, which actually is a very cost efficient thing, but it, it, it sort of helps there. And then sort of donating, recycling and repurposing as opposed to destroying uh, events, uh, materials and things. And I, and I think that's that's really key. And I think that's that's something that is just going to be ever evolving and ever growing over the next five years. It's 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 not something that's going to go away. So um, I, I think um, very much so sustainability is, is, is key over the next five years. Um, virtually, virtually um, I would say um, it, it, it's here to stay. Um, I think there is a, a sort of a Zoom fatigue, certainly, but it's doing it and utilising it in the right way. And I think um, potentially big corporations and things that might have just used to have an annual big event uh, in person can now do things a lot more cost efficiently and have a regular um, meetings uh, uh, with with their their teams and sort of just make it sort of a, a, a more efficient, regular sort of touch point um, to, to meet up with their, their guys, which is great. I think also um, virtual has got potential and I think it's, a, it's about sort of technology having the time to catch up with how far we've progressed. Um, and I think, you know, there's some really exciting opportunities, certainly in sport and in uh, in sort of the music industry. We sort of with the, like, the best seats in the house kind of concepts. And I and I, I love that thought. And I think that just needs to sort of grow. And I, I think that, that's that's a really exciting place where, where that will grow um, moving forward. What then do you think is going to be the future of the kind of the the communication between brand and audience when we think about live events? Is that going to be something as simple as returning to kind of the live event format, considering it distinct from from the virtual events entirely, or is it going to be something that we think is uh, you know going to be entirely new that's born out of all the experimentation? Um, I think it's a combination of of things, really. If I'm honest, so we're we're using. It's chaotic at the moment. It's what it feels like, and it will yep. probably continue to be so because people are finding out where they are as a brand, where they are as a business, how their audience want to engage, whoever the audience is. And so there's a little bit of doing what we did before, but also wanting something different. Um, and so people are going on this kind of discovery journey at the moment, and that's going to shape what the new output is. But personally, I think it's going to be a combination of virtual where it's appropriate to, certainly because that supports sustainability and footprint. And there's a place for it. And there really is a place for it. Um, but then really valuing those in-person experiences and putting a real emphasis on that and then making some content accessible to support it, but trying not to do all things for all people in all different ways, because that's when we're probably going to dilute it so much that you're not going to see a return. Um, so I think we will start, we will see very much like what we've got at the moment with the addition of virtual and what we'll see is an enhancement of those experiences through the way that we connect with our audiences, all the technologies that we deploy as part of it. I think there's a lot more authenticity around the way we communicate and the message that's landed. And if you talk about with the mentioning sustainability, for me, that has to link back to an organization's sustainability goals and social value and certainly for their audience uh, whether that's internal or external you need to make a direct link and be quite explicit about how you're delivering against that and how an event supports it because we've all just pointed out that events can be seen as the the enemy when it comes to sustainability and therefore to really face into that and message it and talk about what we're doing to make a difference and why we've chosen it um, is is probably going to need 
to happen in order to get people to buy in. Then there's a very final question. I wondered, could you all maybe go around Dan and then Jen and then and then you Matt and sort of say, what is your most ex- excited about in the next couple of years in terms of live events? Is it that return of what we consider kind of a true live event? Is it the emergence of this kind of this new form? What is it that you're most excited about? Um, for me, it is, it's quite simple. It comes down to one word, possibility. Um, the, the possibilities, I think, are endless. I think that we've, we, we, we've obviously all know we've been through a really tough time and we're, we're on the bounce, we're on that V-curve and it's pretty extreme where we're going and where we've come from. Um, and it's making sure that, you know, uh, I think we will be making this point is that everything we do going forward is, is, is considered um, and we look at the options and we're thinking about the brand, the audience, you know the the interactions, the combination of of virtual versus um, in real life, and 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 many many other kind of like influences beyond that. But the possibilities that we have as an industry right now, and I think to a certain extent that the kind of the spotlight is on us as we step back out into the light are absolutely endless. Um, I personally think it's a really exciting time to be in this world, um, in our world, because people are craving that interaction, that human connection again. Um, and so both from a consumer and from a B2B level, we're seeing it in B2B briefs that are coming through, um, which I think everybody, everybody thought that maybe B2B would lag slightly behind consumer because consumer feels like it's like, right, we can get out there and businesses might just be a little bit more tentative because They've got maybe a bit more to lose, but we're seeing the briefs coming in now. And when you question the clients, they're getting kind of, um, uh, kind of, they're, they're getting input from from internal kind of people saying we, we just want to be back face to face with their clients, um, with their prospects, especially from sales teams. Sales teams are kind of done with doing things virtually. They want to be there doing that human interaction, that connection, um, which is fantastic. I think. As an industry, we just need to make sure that those connections and those experiences with everything we've got, all the resources and tools we've got uh, to hand are as well thought through, but as creative and as innovative as possible. And we're not just doing it for the sake of doing certain things. So possibility is the the thing that's going to be hanging above my door, certainly for the foreseeable future. (laughs) Nice. And Jen, you don't have to have a sort of a single word for this, but what are you sort of most excited about over the next couple of years? Uh, to be honest, I can I completely agree with Dan. Uh, what he's saying is it, absolutely possibility. It's so exciting. But for me, if I was to have a word, it'd be interaction. And do you know what? I just cannot wait to see people getting back together and enjoying themselves because I think people are are just desperate to do that. And sort of with the the event of all the festivals coming back this year in big and proper fashion, I think that there can be nothing more exciting than that. So um, for for me, I, I I really look forward to that. I think another thing for me, and I think which is we, we've spoken about already, um, is the the apparent sort of limitless evolution of exciting technology with regards to events, and it's just the the, the unknown and, and what that's going to bring. And I think for for me, it, it's just so exciting to be in this space at the moment. We've had a hard couple of years, but um, you know now that the possibilities are endless, and I you know I'm just loving to be here. So. Nice. That's really, that is really, really optimistic. And then, Matt, what are you most excited about? Don't feel you have to match Jen's optimism if you don't want. That's a high level. That's a high level of energy. <laughs> I also, I also love the word unknown um, because that is. I think you know you're in this industry because we like challenge. Otherwise, I don't think any of us would be in it. And, and challenge comes with an unknown kind of 
entity. So it's a space that is exciting for all of us. So all of the above. One of the things that I think I'm also excited about is new talent. Um, and that's new generations coming in with new ideas, coupled with new technologies and new uh, demands and expectations from our audience. So um in fear of not wanting to be a dinosaur i want to make sure that we're really uniting all of those things together because actually seeing it from different perspectives is what keeps this industry moving and what keeps us fresh and what keeps us going wow when you turn up somewhere and you see something new for the first time um and for, you know i think there's new opportunities to to really embrace that fantastic and thank you thank the three of you actually for giving me the title of this uh, podcast episode with possibility interaction unknown the future of live events so that's what we're going to that's what we're going to end with because that's a fantastic an optimistic look i think at the future of live events and the kind of the rebirth of an industry but as a very very final question then if anybody's who's listening wants to reach out and get in contact with any of you where's the best place for them to reach you dan so either on LinkedIn, um, you'll just find me quite simply, just uh, my name, Dan Keane. Or if you want to email me, more than happy for people to reach out. I'm dan at wearewonder.com. Fantastic. And Jen? Um, again, LinkedIn, um, uh, Jen Lily Walsh, Jen with a G. Um, but also uh, go to our Paradise website, paradise.london, um, and uh, contact me there. I'd be really happy to talk to you. Fantastic. And Matt? Uh, same on LinkedIn, you'll find me under Matthew Franks, um, or you can email me at matt.franks at drpgroup.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Matt, for taking the time to come on the Drum Network podcast, have a fantastic chat. I know that everybody who's listening will feel as optimistic about the future of live events as I do now. But for the moment, thank you so much. Hopefully, we'll be able to come back in a couple of years and have a chat about, you know, all, how our, see how our predictions played out. But for now, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>